Hey, hey, Podcastians. Welcome to the Mini PC Show, episode 117. Uh, this show is all about big talk with little machines of all form factors, all sizes, and all ages. Uh, this show is brought to you by Tom O. Thanks for your patronage, uh, Tom O. If you would like to support this show as well, it is super easy. All you have to do is go to uh, patreon.com slash the mini PC show, or just click the links in the notes. Uh, and speaking about supporting the show, we have uh, Rich and Brent with us this evening. How's everything going, Brent? Going pretty good. Um, trying to uh, figure out a few things, trying to build a few things, trying to never never slows down for me. But uh, yeah, having fun. How about you guys? How you doing, Rich? Oh, I got an interesting couple days, but I'll keep it to myself. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. Technically, I've had a thumb drive and two hard drives fail, so I was kind of PO'd about that. I think I, I recovered most of my data on my Mac. I had my first hard drive fail on the big server last week. So I'll, I'll give you kind of the sour grapes. We'll do a little mini PC version of it. Uh, originally, I had CrashPlan running, so all of the Macs were backed up on a time capsule and CrashPlan, and anything else was backed up on CrashPlan, and then CrashPlan screwed us all, and I've told them that in person. Um, I never set up anything else, and my Mac, unfortunately, was having trouble backing up, and I deleted the old time capsule files, and the hard drive crashed as I was backing it up. So I now have Duplicati running. So Duplicati for the win. That's cross-platform. Um, it's serverless. So it just connects to storage on the back end. The storage could be FTP, NFS, any cloud-based uh, solution. So uh, if you're not backing up, please do. I've never needed a backup until the last two weeks, and I got screwed. So Yeah, I... Uh... I have a parity disk on mine, which is the only reason that I was able to get mine up and running again. But uh, I'll have to look that up. I don't, I've never looked into that one. So uh, my criteria, uh, one, open source, because after CrashPlan screwed us, I really liked CrashPlan. I, even, I liked it so much, I even paid for their cloud solution, an annual subscription. But I had the cloud and I had my local. Um, so open source multi OS. So the big three, you know, Linux, Windows, Mac, um, and it's got a version. And so Duplicati does all of that. And so I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I got it set up on my Mac already. I, I got to set it up on the other computers in the house. That's good to hear. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. And I'll say, um, no one really cares about backup or really does backup until you have a catastrophic failure. That, to me, is one of the most unfortunate truths of my computing life that I've witnessed. Um, and I'll just say, the only advice I give to anybody when they ask about backup is, and it's been this way, I think, for 20 years now, three, two, one. Uh, you have to have your data in three places, okay? Um, you have to have uh, two of them, like, as actual backups, not as copies, but as actual backups, things you don't touch. They're just backed up to. And one of them has to be off-site. Um I love the idea of NASs. I love the idea of local storage, but we have to have data stored someplace else because you never know when you're going to have a true catastrophic disaster. And besides having to worry about, you know, where you're going to sleep and your clothes and your stuff, you really don't want to have an extra layer of frustration worrying about, you know, your family's pictures or other sensitive data. 
So uh, it'll, let me talk to that a little bit. My, my mean time between failure is on the order of 10 years. I haven't had anything fail in like 10 plus years, but in the last two weeks, I've had two drives fail, which, which I, I was like, no way, no way. I'm, now, I've I'm, had kind of older... I'm kind of impressed that you had flash drive fail. I, I don't think I've ever had one fail. Yeah, like... I, I don't know what it was. Uh, you know, my Mac rebooted on its own for some reason and then it you know i got the circle with the slash through it, so it wouldn't wouldn't boot off the media um there so or the other problem with the mac is apfs there are very few tools for apfs the open source tools i couldn't could figure out how to work them ended up paying 79 bucks for what was the tool uh there's a canadian transmac no it was transmac like was always the one that i used Oh, no, no, Transmac makes Windows. So, our studio. Um, uh, they're a good company. So, I, I, there, there was like another Hong Kong one. It kind of looked, it seemed like there were four or five versions under different names of the Hong Kong one. And it just seemed a little too scammy. So, I, I went with the Canadian. That's good to hear. Yes. I know, but, I mean, Canadians also make Adobe stuff. So, you know. <laughs> That's called Fusion also. Well, they didn't make Cold Fusion. Correct me if I'm wrong. They bought right. it. Uh, right. Well, they, 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 yeah, Cold Fusion's a redheaded stepchild of several companies, yes. It originally was uh, J.J. Allaire uh, in a room with three other people. And uh, that got bought by Macromedia. Macromedia got bought by Adobe. So gotcha, speaking gotcha. of buying things, Dor, how are you doing? And then I'm going to tackle, uh, hopefully it's an elephant in a room for everyone and not just me. Well, I'll say I haven't bought anything in like fluffy air quotes, um, I have uh, attempted to 3D print like enclosures for my Raspberry Pi with the ice tower cooler and things like that. Um, I have seen things coming on the radar that I would like to buy, but I haven't actually spent any money or like built anything is what I'll say. Um, now, the caveat is I'm still loving the Fenix Linux OS. Are you? And it turns out the desktop I like is actually literally called Fenix. F-E-N-I-X, I believe. Um, and they have their own distribution. So I don't know if I'm going to actually switch over to that or I'm just going to keep running what I'm running right now. But um, the good news is with time, all these operating systems just get more efficient, better tuned, better tweaked for better experiences. So um, right now I'm just like in a I'm just in that little like lurch of being happily satisfied with with what I have. And I don't really feel the absolute need to upgrade anything. You know, I just looked at their. Uh... I just looked it up, and I am. I've been thinking about switching over, at least partially, having some sort of uh, pie on my next dock. And just from their logo, I think I'm going to try it out. I love the Phoenix logo. Right. Well, uh, let's explain to the new listeners what is the next dock. Oh yeah. Uh, so the next dock is. Um, let's see. When did they come out? Uh, when the Moto Moto Atrix came out. They came out with a what was called a, a lap dock. And what it was was you plugged the phone in the back and it turned your phone basically into an old-fashioned version of the Samsung DeX. A lot better, though. Um, and this was a long time ago. But uh, me and I think you, Dor, have been messing around with that, with that lap dock, trying to make it work for years now. And uh, finally, I gave up and, and ordered uh, this Next Dock Touch, which is a company... Out of the U, no, out of out of the U.S. Um, 
and uh, they made this. It's an HDMI input, um, keyboard, uh, trackpad, and touchscreen. So basically, you can plug any HDMI in and plug a US the USB side into it and upgrade your computer, upgrade your laptop to anything. Um, it's, that's that's my big uh, my big excitement about it is is you always have a really nice aluminum backlit keyboard touchscreen, but it never you can always upgrade the the motherboard per se the with a single board computer or even I've even plugged it into my main server you know just as a a separate you know when I don't want to walk all the way to the front where my screens are if I'm working on something I just plug it into that and I think it could be a great thing for uh, for server admins but you know for me it's just fun yeah you kind of like right there like tickled the part where this really does like fulfill a ancient tribal dream of upgrading a laptop because that's essentially what it is it allows you to freely upgrade your laptop in the same manner of how a raspberry pi lets you very easily switch out in air quotes hard drives by just switching sd cards with this you can literally upgrade your experience on this device merely by plugging it in to something else. And yeah. you still have the backlit keyboard. You still have the exact same keyboard that you're using with the exact same screen. The fact that they finally got around to offering this in touch, I will yeah. say is like the sweet spot where it's almost getting me to jump. Yeah. Um, and that was actually what got me to jump was uh, that um, the touch screen and the fact that um I was able to get in on the uh, on the first uh, shipment, um, and it turned out, you know, they did a very good job with this thing. The only only thing that I and I'm pretty picky when it comes to keyboards. So I mean, granted, it's going to be a membrane keyboard, but I've seen laptop keyboards that are pretty almost clicky, and this one seems a little squishy. But you know, it's a laptop keyboard. I'm not too worried about it. Other than that, I have not had any problems with it. I've even set up the new uh, Chromecast and used it as a laptop. Very cool. Um, did you get the, uh, it looks like it may be optional magnetic side mount? I did not order that because it was not available at, okay. that, at the time. But I'm thinking about 3D printing that because it does not look too, you know, major. Oh, yeah, exactly. That that, that was my fault. It, exactly. Because um, we've seen... Uh, how you can easily start a 3D print, pause the 3D print, drop the magnets in, and then continue your, your 3D print, and you could easily have something like this. Exactly, I did that with a uh, with a GoPro mount and a uh, I did a GoPro mount and I dropped the the nut that goes uh, to the tripod base, and it worked out great. Gotcha. Well, and it helps when I actually read the page and it says the magnetic side mount is coming to Amazon January 2021. So, oh, yeah. So, if you want to support them, you can wait and then buy it. But if you just want one, it's, I would say, child's play to just print one. I'll probably print one and then buy one to support one, to support them, you know. And if I don't, you know, do it perfect or whatever, you know, at least I have the, the quote unquote official one. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Uh, do you have any new uh, mini related news except for your uh, stuff failing there, Rich? You you were also migrating uh, off of one mini to another, right? Say what? You were also migrating services and stuff from one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my Odroid XU4, which which has been unbelievable trooper for I don't know how many years now. 
probably more than four years. Because um, I've, be I've been running, you know, Plex, Radar, Sonar, uh, Time Capsule, uh, probably two or three other services off the Odroid XU4. It, it's been a freaking champ. And I guess, you know, over the years with software updates and bloat, it isn't cutting it on Plex anymore. So uh, I probably have had the Odroid N2 kicking around for more than a year and just haven't officially committed it to one thing. I you know, did a bunch of demo setups or test rigs, uh, but it is now uh, my new sonar, radar, plex, whatever, multi-server, and it's really kicking ass. So uh, Odroid N2, now this is the original Odroid N2. There's a new version out there. And I'll always pimp a Meridroid, good source to get it. And definitely look around on their site because I think there's um, one of them, it's called like the multimedia and it comes with the case power supply and might even be an SD card. I don't hold me to that part. And it would be cheaper than if you bought them a la carte. So hunt around on their site if you're going to buy one. And it wouldn't hurt if you said you heard it from any PC because uh, they know we're out there. And uh, actually, speaking of Meridroid, they have a case for the XU4 that is a Nintendo 64-looking case that has a where the Nintendo symbol used to be. It um, it's actually a, a an LCD screen, so you can change. Oh, that's what, cool. That's yeah, cool. it's really so, neat. It's really neat. Um, let's see. I got the who was selling it? What, what was it called? The Rock. Uh, 64s for the cheapy rock 64s so i got two of those got them on amazon yeah the uh security company yeah whatever i got the box it, it's on the other side i could reach it but um i got two of those i think i'm going to set them up with octoprint for one for each print uh 3d printer and um i've been running for more uh, maybe more than a week anyhow if you're interested in vmware esxi i've got Two Raspberry Pis, actually, here's here's my 8-gig, my other 8-gig Raspberry Pi. But I've got two uh, Raspberry Pis, one 8-gig, one 4-gig, running ESXi. And vCenter, v the VCSA only runs on Intel. So I have another ESXi Nook running uh, ESXi with the uh, VCSA. And the vCenter... Uh, is basically the manager, so you don't have to log into each individual ESXi host. And in case you don't know, VMware, ESXi, that's a Type 1 hypervisor, so you can put VMs on it. So I've got VMs running on it now. Um, I haven't been able to get the high availability configured. I'm probably just doing something wrong. Oh, uh, I probably have to do an update video on that because there's been new stuff coming out. I used a... 64 gig thumb drive and you can specify that when you install ESXi which only takes a few minutes like seriously under five minutes that it will only use eight gigs of the 64 and you can use the rest of it as a data store a local data store so there's a little command in there so there, there's a couple of um things i've learned recently and like my youtube channel so youtube.com slash flying rich I've got a video on like end-to-end -end setting up Raspberry Pi with ESXi, how to do it, because there's a whole bunch of steps. And I'll probably have to do some update videos on some of the tips and tricks I've learned over the last week or two. You know, I need to 
I need to do a YouTube channel or something. You know, I do too many random things to, to not actually have something. So you know, I've been... just do Instagram videos. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I could, uh, I'll try that. Yeah, if, if you're more random, Instagram is probably better for that. Yeah, I definitely am. And I've got to uh, take a quick pause and just say uh, hello to Red, John, Captain Zero, and Chatter. If you guys would like to participate in the live chat, uh, you can follow us either on Twitter, Facebook, in Discord, or on Patreon. We try to post when we go live, and all these guys are right now in the uh, YouTube chat. Um, now, I got to bring up in like soft, fluffy air quotes the uh, elephant in the room. Uh, and, and I can kind of say that there's kind of almost two of them. Uh, the first one I'm going to say is the new announced Odroid HC4, which I, I, I got to say that's slow because Odroid's naming convention apparently is um, very rigid where they like numbers and letters and nothing else. No real world uh, word type of things. And this is the Odroid HC4, which is basically a $72 device. Uh, it's going to be available late October. Uh, the long and the short of it is, it is like the Odroid, um, I want to say, uh, H2, but in more of a NAS-type form factor. So it's the Odroid HC4. It comes with a case, a small LCD screen, and it's more of like a toaster setup where you can drop hard drives in. Uh, the specs on it is it's a uh, quad-core uh, processor A55. 1.8 gigahertz, 4 gigs of DDR RAM with 32-bit bus, uh, dual SATA 3 ports for 3.5-inch and or 2.5-inch storage, um, UHS-1 capable micro SD card slot, so you put your main OS on that, hypothetically, and you put your actual data drives on your full-size hard drives, uh, full gigabit Ethernet, only one HDMI 2.0, Port, which kind of makes me a little bit sad. Um, digital audio over HDMI, a USB 2.0 host, so you can add more ports if you want to, but only USB 2.0. Uh, UART serial connector, IR receiver, uh, and then, of course, your barrel jack connector, because they love barrel jacks. Uh, 84 by 90 by 25 millimeters, and they say it's uh, 280 grams, including heat sink, fan, and case. So, I'll first say I love the fact that Odroid keeps putting out new hardware. I love the fact that they're literally trying to target certain use cases, certain aspects, certain things that people like. Um, but I have no problem saying out loud after back and forth thing with um, um, Captain Zero a couple times about this. This is one of those things. It's it, it's it's good, but it's definitely not for someone like me is the way that I'll put it. Okay, so look, I got three things about it, but why do you say it's not for someone like you? Well, I don't need a... Okay, some people complain about the toaster form factor, and it's very easy for dirt and dust to get inside of it, which I will say I don't care. If I wanted a lid over top of the toaster, I would just 3D print the lid. Um, But I don't need a NAS with like a little screen on it, number one. Um, why not? Uh, that was my first <laughs> item. Well, because I, if there's... If the screens give me the date and time, which is what it's showing, I'm like, yeah, that's more than useless. It might as well flash 12 o'clock like my VCR. Right. Now, I mean, if it, now I'm sure it's reprogrammable to say other things, is what I'll say. I'm sure, right. it, is. I'm sure it is. But when I think of NAS, I think of like a Ronco, set it and forget it and shove it in a hole and never look at it again for the rest of my life until drives yes. fail. Yes. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if, if you're can... going to hit. 
I had three points, and I'm wondering if you're going to hit the other two. My thought is, what if you have like a uh, storage space available? That way, you don't have to look up on anything other than when you look at it, it actually shows how much storage space you have left. SSH and DF space dash H. Yeah. Well, yeah, but say. you don't have to use another computer to do it. Right. I mean, it would be cool if it could tell you like the number of active connections, the amount of free space, and stuff like that. And that's cool. Don't get me wrong. That that would be yeah, cool. If- but if it cycled me. through like CPU temperature, uh, percentage full on you know disk one, percentage full disk two, network traffic, yeah, all right, I I I buy that. All right, so my points are. Well, I saw um, more. I saw more. I gotta say the two oh, other okay. the two other things that I don't want to say made me upset about it, but it proved to me that it's not for me. Is what I'll say. Okay. Uh, all number right. one, only USB 2.0. I mean, this is 2020. Oh, I missed that. All right, that that would be my fourth item then. Right. There's no reason to not have USB 3.0 or USB Type-C. I mean, really. Um, the other thing is, I almost, and Captain Zero had to bring this to my attention, I'm almost besmirched at the fact that it only accepts what I, in hindsight, now consider archaic old 2.5 or 3.5 disk form factors. Why don't you support... Um, M.2 NVMe drives. Now, maybe that's version okay. two of this, or maybe three of this, because they are coming down in price insanely. Um, after that, um, I I almost don't want now the idea of a toaster. If I was a computer technician and I was constantly dropping drives in and doing work with them and backing up and cloning them, don't get me wrong, this would be like already in the cart waiting to buy. But I don't do that kind of task. So I'll just say... It, it's a cool setup. It's a cool thing. I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to push people who I believe could use this towards this, but I don't think I would. Okay, so um, you, you kind of brought to light another point. I have two other beefs with it. it. And don't get me wrong. I think it's a great product. I'd buy one if I saw the need. Now, uh, and I'm, or I'm try, let, me, let me make it more, uh, I would buy one if I could convince myself I have a need for it, which wouldn't take a whole lot of arm twisting. IR receiver, it's not a set-top box. It, and, you know, maybe they had the hardware kick it around, whatever. I, I don't get that. And realistically, I don't want my dock to have an HDMI port. Not, not like I don't want it, but it's not necessary. You kind of quip that it didn't have two, but... Um, I don't know. I, and maybe I'm a FUD. Maybe, uh, you know, it's like maybe my toaster should have two HDMI ports on it, and that's my desktop computer. I don't know. Um, I mean, could be cool, but realistically, uh, and I, again, I might be just retro thinking. I might not be 21st century thinking. I like my dock to be a dock. And now the only leverage on that is if they're actually talking SATA to the CPU and not going through a USB bus, but then that it really doesn't make it, you know, if it's two separate USB buses, that's okay. If it's a single USB bus, then that's might as well be a dock, a dumb dock in my mind. But again, you could run Open Media Vault on this. There, there's so many great solutions. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to trash the product. Some of the features don't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think it's a great price. I think it's great packaging. I think, um, again, I'm not talking down on the product. I'm just like head scratching. Yeah, and I don't know any NAS. I'm I'm not highly educated. I don't know any NAS that actually has a video out. 
Um, and granted, taking it off would have only saved probably, you know, 15 cents or something. But I don't know why it's even there in the first place. Well, all right. Like the Odroid HC1 and the HC2 don't have video out, period. So you have to do that all over the wire, uh, your configuration of that. So, you know, when you drop your micro SD card in there, it's it's got to be... Uh, so it also has an Ethernet, so there's no Wi-Fi, and I'm assuming there's no wireless connectivity on this either. Nope, in typical Odroid fashion, no onboard Bluetooth or Wi-Fi. But it has an IR receiver. <laughs> and again, it literally taking it off would have probably only saved like three pennies, so I'm going to guess that's why they just, in air quotes, left it on. Okay, they got a block diagram on the CPU here, and it says they replaced the USB 3.0 to a SATA chip. All right, so they're... Besides, let me make sure I read that right. Replace the USB... Okay, they replaced the USB 3.0 to SATA chip used in previous designs with a PCIe to SATA. Okay, good. All right, that that's a big plus. That's a big performance uh, gain. Hey, look, I, I think realistically, if I didn't have the N2, the, this would... I've got two hard drives hooked up to my Odroid N2, and I've had two hard drives hooked up to my Odroid... Uh, XU4 for a very long time, and if this has N2 type performance, what CPU is it? Uh, AM Logic yeah. 9905X3. I don't know what the N2 has. Um, I'll, I'll say this: the N2 is better. It goes up to I want to say 2.1, so it, it technically goes up to a higher clock speed. But also, the N2 has a big little form factor, which is more power efficient. Yada yada yada. Um, if I needed. High-performance NAS, and and I'm saying this slow because I have to really be sure I'm being truthful to myself. If I truly needed high-speed NAS and to have the drives basically mirrored, because that's the only reason to me to have two drive bases, so you could literally have the drives mirrored, so when one drive fails, you can simply pull that drive out, put another drive in, and have it, you know, refresh itself kind of thing. Um, If I needed that kind of instant backup right there, and I needed true high-speed NAS, I would have probably jumped on this already. Um, I have my Rock 64 connected to a drive via USB 3, and I don't want to say it's been perfect, but it's been pretty dang solid, and uh, when anybody uses it, no one complains about its speed until they tried NextCloud Talk, but I don't think NextCloud Talk would be much better on that board. So. Um, I, I like the fact that they're doing this again. And and then here's what I'll say to Brett. Besides the screen, what about it made you think this is like, you know, something to like jump on? Brett, nobody's hearing you. Okay, how about now? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, so for me it was uh, the idea that it has an output, a video output, makes me think it could boot off of whatever you put into it. And that makes it more of a different idea than a than just a regular NAS. Um, if you can have one drive in there that's a, always a backup drive and one drive that boots up, so you just back them up constantly, but you can still boot off of that drive or somehow boot into that drive. Okay, so this has a USB 2.0, so you could put a mouse keyboard dongle into it and you could plug a monitor into it, <laughs> I guess. But and I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know, know why Linux GUI hater because everything I have that's Linux is headless. So uh, I mean, you could. Well, I'll say the only thing that like worries me about 
having the video out is they don't mention a GPU. Anyway. Yeah, I was kind of looking for that. Yeah, I, I was doing a comparison between the Odroid. I'll tell you what, I, I need this. This is, I'll give you my use case, although I probably have other hardware that'll fill, fit the bill. So um, I, I have a lawn shed on the south end of my property that has power on it. And um, I, I used to run PyAware off like a PVC mast on the back of the shed. And uh, so I know my Wi-Fi gets out back there. You're talking about off-site backup. So if I set this up with a couple of hard drives and uh, just ran another Duplicati server in my shed, then if my house goes, you know, splat, I've got a quote-unquote off-site, not off-premises, but off-site backup. Yeah. Um, and So that's how I'm going to explain it to my wife, why I need it. Good luck with that. Have fun. Look, my wife got a new car. I, I can do whatever I want right now. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah. 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 I mean... And here's the thing. Um, I really do like I want to give money to companies like Raspberry Pi, like Odroid, like Pine64, like Freedom Elect, like all these other companies. This is one that and, and I'm literally I'm literally sitting here looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight hard drives just sitting there doing nothing. Where if I bought this, at least two of them could be doing something. And I'm not going to pull the trigger because I have plenty of devices with USB 3 interfaces. And if I spent pennies, like, you know, 10 bucks, I could buy USB 3 enclosures and just take those drives, put them in the enclosure and plug it up USB 3 and probably get satisfactory performance out of them is the way I'll put it. Yeah, you know, I, I've been kind of thinking what I'm going to be doing with my Odroid XU4, and I probably could take my Odroid XU4, throw it in that shed with uh, some USB hard drives, and have that as my off-site or out-of-house backup, let's call it. Then you can use the screen to tell you things. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but I got the uh, screen from the Rock, whatever, the, the Rock 64s that I got from that were repackaged. What's it called? Yeah, but are they out there? Well, I could use the screen. I could just plug it into my Odroid. <laughs> Recon, Recon Sentinel. Sentinel. Yeah. Okay, now the other, in air quotes, elephant in the room is that Raspberry Pi Foundation announced the Raspberry Pi Compute Module 4 is now on sale, and it is only 25 bucks. And only 25 bucks. I don't verbatim typically quote things but i will say only 25 bucks isn't bad at all for the specs that we see in this new compute module um but you know you have to get the uh the, the dev board with it yes you have to get something to connect it to or else it's literally a very Toaster. poor doorstop yeah too thin for a doorstop exactly um unless it's like 1.5 gigahertz house. is is that the same as the I know you can get you can overclock the Pi Four to two gigahertz. This is one point five. I'm gonna say I believe it is the same processor. Um, it also says it can do uh 4K uh 60 frames cool. um DM 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 coding um dual HDMI interfaces at up to 4K uh single lane PCI Express 2.0 interface. Uh, you can get it up to 8 gigs of RAM per unit. Of course, 1 gig is the $25 version. Um, and you can actually get it with onboard EMMC storage 
ranging from eight to thirty-two gigs. So that's that's what I kind of liked about it. That was the thing that kind of brought my attention to it. Yeah, because I don't know any other Raspberry Pis with uh, EMMCC uh, storage. None of them. Yeah. So I'm happy so, that they're doing this, but I always question when I see this: who would even buy this thing? Well, all right. So here's I'll, I'll construct the use case. So instead of having this for like a bunch of like a ESXi Raspberry Pi cluster, you could have a bunch of slightly smaller form factor. Um, now the onboard storage I go either way on because you can TFT boot like ESXi could be diskless. You, you can do a you can TFT boot the Raspberry Pi, and you don't need onboard storage. I'm more concerned about something like RAM. Now, the, the thing that I'm kind of head-scratching, why would I want dual HDMI on a compute module? What, what would I do with that? I, I could understand you have the, the coprocessor, the video coprocessor, because maybe you're doing you know floating-point operation stuff, but yeah, I'm not getting that. In door, I don't know if it was today. Was it today you shared a uh, different type of dock for, for this? Well, well, yeah, I mean, I'll first say I'm sure there is some kind of use case where you would have a cluster board have, you know, like, let's just say four compute modules in it, all of them dual displaying out to something. Yeah, I could see it like a like a bar. A bar would be a great use case for it. Having multiple screens, having different things on each screen, only having to have one or two, you know, pies or yeah, one pie per two screen. Okay, so let, let me let me call you out on that one. the The problem with that is you need a you know motherboard for it to dock into. If you just got a Raspberry Pi four, you've got two video outputs and you just plug power into it. Um, so that that's kind of the head scratcher still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's more of a permanent solution in my eyes, though. It's more of a you put it into this. You have a you have the dock that is a little bit more permanent than our development boards. That's what I've seen that they kind of advertise it as. All right, so it's got gig Ethernet, but I see an antenna kit. So I'm guessing it's got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth also. Yes. If, why would you see? That's another head scratcher one. Well, it also has, if I remember right, all of the it, all of if not most of the same chipset, isn't it? So why yeah. would they get rid of it? You know, well, that's my thought. Yeah, the yeah, I mean, Bluetooth and uh, Wi-Fi are optional, so you can get it. Oh, oh it that. says optional 2.45 gigahertz, 802.11. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Optional, definitely gig Ethernet must have. Uh, so here's one thing on here that I kind of like. Uh, let's if they have something for it, single lane uh, PCI Express 2.0 interface. So that could be cool because the motherboard that it plugs into, or carrier board, whatever you want to call it, that it plugs into could have PCI slots. Yep. Yeah. And the um, uh, Turing Pi 2 was the thing that I linked to. It's a mini ITX cluster board that can take up to, um, uh, I want to say, seven Raspberry Pi 4 compute modules. And to say that nice and slow. Um, and that's the old ones, right? No, it's the brand new ones. Are you sure? Because the uh, the new one doesn't have a uh, dim slot, isn't uh, dim, dim compatible. Yeah, this is just recent. 
Oh, this is that today? Is that seriously released today? Huh. I believe here's here here's what Yeah, I'm you're saying. right. I see, yeah. Um both of oh, those yeah. boards the old, so I'm looking the old Raspberry Pi 4 compute module and the new Raspberry Pi 4 compute module. They had different connectors onto their baseboard. Their baseboard still connects via a DIM, I believe. Okay, that makes more sense. I was I I saw something else the other day that um that showed that didn't show the uh, the dim slot. I didn't realize that you can plug it into a dim slot at all. So, well, there's another interface board. So the compute module plugs into the dim, and then the dim plugs into the carrier board. Yes, I believe is the way I'll put it. Um, well, that, that's like the lower picture shows that, and it it looks like there's only four on this board. Which four is good? Well, it says four, but then up in the top it says it can take. So what I'm going to say is. The four is the low end of the board. They have a higher end version of the board, which they say can take seven. For some reason, they only show you the one. I don't understand why. Okay. But should I ask the elephant in the room question? How much is it? That yeah, I'll to like quote my Belgium friend. I'll say that is a great question. Um, they are expecting that... to launch next year, but they uh-huh. do not announce a price uh, yet. Next year's coming. I know. Yeah, twenty twenty. Holy cow! Next year, yay! Well, and this is the kind of thing where I'm sure if I fit in a very specific niche or niche, this kind of board would really get me excited uh, and waiting, can't wait to do stuff with. But I'm, you know, I am unaware what this niche is and who these people are who are looking forward to this board. But I'm sure somebody is, is the way I'll put it. Yeah, I can, I can, I can agree with that. It's, it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I don't see a use case for it, but I'm sure there's plenty. Well, again, ESXi cluster. Uh, so yeah. if you want to do a home lab, like if you're somebody like me and wants to have a home lab to do stuff with, uh, either Kubernetes or an ESXi cluster, the seven-slot board is for the old module. I'm just looking at gotcha. it. Gotcha. I clicked through on the link. And it said blah 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 product page available pre order one hundred twenty eight dollars blah 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 seven module, all right. So fully populated, it would be three hundred dollars with seven compute modules, which not bad, decent not price. Bad. Yeah, because I've seen some of these things. They're like two fifty three hundred dollars for just the carrier board, and I'm like, you're you're goofing on me, right? And actually, I I had a com. Uh, Twitter chat with uh, Mickmake, and I'm like, because I was commenting like another board, I'm like, I could design that for less. And he's like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the only, like, here's the one caveat I'll say. The one use case I can see these kinds of ARM cluster boards being extremely desirable are for people who require zero Intel exploits in their ecosystem. <laughs> whether that's, that's okay china or the cia or nsa whatever they all have the same goal in mind and that's don't trust anybody speaking of uh intel had did you guys talk last week about uh or last time about uh arm being bought i don't think oh, we went yeah. into much on that now yeah i don't know much about it but i i did hear that nvidia bought arm or bought the rights to arm well ARM was last held by SoftBank. Um, NVIDIA put in like a bid for it. Um, and I have very mixed feelings about it. One, I somebody has to buy it. SoftBank made it very clear they need to unload it. Um, NVIDIA has been on a tear 
like a ridiculous tear the last two years, bringing in bank hand over fist, thanking to everyone trying to do Bitcoin this and Bitcoin that. They, they, they've been making an absolute killing. So they have plenty of cash on hand is logic. Um, they did swear, like pinkies crossed, uh, that if we buy it, we're going to make sure that everything remains as open as possible. And we're going to like further the development for the greater community, not just for us kind of thing. Um, I don't have really much ill will towards a company like NVIDIA, n nothing like a company versus Oracle, or a company like um, Apple, a company like yeah. even Creative Labs or Adobe or Microsoft or, uh, you know, NVIDIA to me, I don't want to say they're good guys, but they're not horrible. They're not bad, but they're not really bad guys. I mean, I don't see much, like, yeah, like you said, I don't see much problem with that happening compared to the other people that, you know, could have gotten it. Right. And like what I would say is how would companies like Samsung feel about that? Because Samsung does a lot of ARM stuff. Um, how will Qualcomm feel about it? How will all these other companies feel about it will be to me the indicator of is, is this a good thing or a bad thing for the industry? Because um, I still believe the ultimate future of everything, the number of ARM chips are going to way outnumber everything else. Um it, they already do, but it's only going to get more drastic, I think, as time goes on. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, hindsight's going to be 2020, but right now, I'm really, there's nothing negative about it that I can think of. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, it, it could be, it could be really nice, you know, it could be having a little bit more money behind it, having a little bit more, I don't want to say development, but I, because I don't know much about uh, SoftBank, but, you know, it could be, could be good. Yeah, I mean, and, and I don't like governments jumping in, like, you know, approving or disproving of things, because governments really only interested is government themselves. Um, that's why I look at industries to try to define it. And I will say all the podcasts I listen to, whether it's uh, Financial Times, Economist, uh, Fox, MSN, NPR, all of them, none of them. None of them that I can tell say this is a disaster. What are they doing? This is going to kill ARM. Everybody seems to at least be moderately um, positive about it. Well, it could have been worse. Uh, Intel or Apple could have bought them. I'm pretty sure if Intel would have tried to buy them, that would have been stopped by some government. And if Apple would have bought it, I think I might have just given up and went back to like stone tablets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. The other thing I at least wanted to look at, and I don't know how much we actually went into detail on this one, line 273 in the notes. Um, there's more companies out there than just, you know, the um, Raspberry Pi, Odroid, and Pine. Uh, this other one, NanoPi RS2 and the NanoPi Neo3 tested with Armbian uh, here on CNX Software. Um, I will just put it like this. Uh, Brian, uh, bought one of these and he was, I'll say pretty satisfied with it. The only thing he wasn't like satisfied with was the temperature. It definitely got a little bit warm. Um, and I don't, I don't want to say I don't care if my single board computer gets warm because it's fixable with proper ventilation, proper heat sink, proper fan, proper cooling, any single board computer, even orange pies can actually be usable to a degree. Um, but over here on CNX software, they literally go through obsessively compulsive levels of detail 
on how they set this thing up and how they test everything. And just a quick reminder, um, I believe it was the NanoPi R2S is the one that could be a really good like gateway appliance because it literally had dual gig NICs on it. Um, and the other device could have been like a standalone um, uh, server is the way that I'll put it. Uh, just doing it in air quotes, own thing. Um, I do like NanoPi. I've owned more than a couple NanoPi devices. Um, I think they work just fine is the way I'll put them. Um, I keep wanting them to get better because I keep wanting more competition. Um, Friendly Elect is the company that makes uh, them, and I believe they're based out of South Korea. But yeah, I, I'm yeah. going to see if I can uh, convince uh, Brian to at least record his thoughts on his NanoPi, uh, and we could ha- have it on the show. Yeah, and I'll say if you click the link on the notes to CNX Software and then you click back through their original look at the NanoPi RS2 and you scroll down, you'll see the NanoPi RS2 in a yellow case. And that case is the exact case where if you look on Alibaba, AliExpress, eBay for what's called a pocket router or a travel router, you will find this is the exact board that a lot of companies are putting in their hardware and selling it as their own device. So this is the kind of device that has actually been developed on for at least almost a year now. Um, so if you need like a pocket router, a travel router, or like a gateway device that is literally pocketable, I definitely encourage everyone to check out this um, NanoPi so- R2S. So this is the one I thought I was ordering the R2S, but I ordered an aluminum heatsink case from AliExpress. But it showed pictures of the board in it. I thought it was case and board. And I opened a dispute. They sent me a letter saying, oh, your dispute has been accepted. You know, your offer has been accepted. I said, hey, look, this is $25. It's just the case, not the board. It said motherboard in the description. I'll give you, you know, five bucks for it or take it back. I don't care. And then I click through into it. and It says, no, they want you to pay full freight and like tough luck, Charlie. I'm like, I'm talking to my credit card company. Well, and that's the beautiful thing about living in America with credit cards. Never do a uh, debit transaction. Always do a credit transaction because you can always just call the company and say, decline the transaction and done. Your butt is saved. But yeah, I, they, they really made it misleading. Uh, so, yeah, I ordered it while I was on the show with you. And so I did order an R2S. I don't know where the hell that is. You know, it's still in China. But I figured that would be something good maybe to set up VLANs uh, for my home lab. Yep, I agree. Uh, um, I will say, you know, AliExpress is like eBay, is like Amazon. Um, for instance, the wife, I love her, love her dearly. Uh, she went on her own and purchased a laptop two weeks ago. And then three days after she ordered it, she realized I have to cancel this order because this is a scam. Um, you always got to look at this seller. You always got to be very particular, very skeptical of anything you buy on any of these services. Always. Um, somebody is always out there trying to make a buck off of our you know, twitchy fingers where we just want to click buy because we, and, and we've all done it. Um, I'm happy you caught it in time, Rich, where you can tell your credit card company because nobody likes to be on that end of the stick. Indeed. 
right. Uh, one more link I wanted to bring only because, um, I mean, I'm going to say it like this. There's like podcast door, door geek. And then there's nine to five working Stephen McLaughlin. Uh, the two shall never meet by the way, or else the universe might co collapse in on, on itself. Um, at work, I have to use Visual Studio, um, and when I use Visual Studio, I actually try to offload most of my tasks off of Visual Studio and put them on VS Code, and then I actually don't use VS Code. I actually use VS Codium, which has all the binary blobs from Microsoft taken out, long story short. But VS Code is a fantastic text editor, IDE kind of thing. Um, it almost makes me not need Notepad++. And I've literally had Notepad++ in my technical holster now for like 20 years kind of thing. Um, the long and the short of it is Microsoft's VS Code officially comes to the Raspberry Pi and Chromebook in the uh, version 1.5 update. Um, if you enjoy advanced text editing, here's the example I use. Not every text editor will let you pick columns of text to copy where you actually can say like the first five characters of this these 10 lines just copy that not everything to the right of it just that if you enjoy advanced text manipulation then you really need to check out vs code or vs codium and now you can check it out on your raspberry pi on your chromebook and i will say i have it loaded right now on my pinebook pro i've had it loaded on my raspberry pi for a while now uh I am shocked at how well it works, even though it is an actual extremely heavy text editor because it's actually an IDE. Um, I definitely encourage people to check it out. See if you like it. See if it's usable. Stuff on Linux like Genie is perfectly usable and it's perfectly fine, but VS Code is, so is more powerful. I got opinion. a question. I've been using Sublime Text for a while and Notepad++ was, was a good standby for a very long time. Do you use Sublime Text, and how would you compare it to Sublime? I used Sublime for over three years, is what I'm saying. I did pay the guy money because it's a really good product. Um, Sublime is definitely more versatile than Notepad++. There's still a couple things Notepad++ does that nobody else seems to do, so I always have it there. Um, VS Code, I hate to say it, it is definitely more functional than Sublime just because of the extensions and add-ons. They are like insane. This is like yeah. Firefox back in like, you know, 2002 where the add-ons never stop. Yeah, you can do, uh, I've actually been messing around with it a little bit. You can replace uh, the Arduino entirely with it. Um, you can program the ESP32s. You can program, uh, you can even program uh, Marlin for the 3D printers on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. And I'm trying to learn coding more and it's definitely helped. Yeah. In the interface, you can have like right there, live interactions with your bash terminal, your windows terminal, your PowerShell terminal, or any of those other things you can program against C sharp Java, um, like, um, the, um, uh, Arduino kind of thing. Yeah. It is all right there. It is an unbelievably extensible interface. And I truly believe the more extensions you have, the more add-ons you have, the more successful you're going to be. And this might be the most extensible IDE I think I've ever seen. Now, I'm always going to use Notepad++ from time to time. And when I want to do 
like very specific things. I still probably will load Sublime, but for my like daily driver, I am finding the uh, VS Code to meet wait, most wait, of my wait. needs. I, I guess I got to have it. It does Cold Fusion also. It does everything. <laughs> it literally does everything. And that's one of the things that I will say they've done smartly in it. The only thing that uh, is a little bit of a barrier for me is I'm, I'm used to the Arduino where you start it up and you can, you install it and you start it up and you hit upload. That's it. With the VS Code, you do need to set up things. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, novice when it comes to stuff like that and it's it's gotten the better of me trying to set up MicroPython, but MicroPython's very new still so yeah and i will say again i've said this now for a couple of years if you want to really dip your toe in the programming ecosystem and you've never done it before python is the best entry point because of two reasons i'll say more than two reasons but the two basic reasons it's nearly Human readable, commonsensical, makes sense. But two, the jobs that are out there for Python pay pretty dang good money. Yeah, I don't know if you looked at the chat, but there, there's a VI fan out there. And there can be. Uh, VI has its place. It's definitely not here in Joppa Town where I live in my house, that's what I'll say. Because um, yeah, every time I I'm, load the damn thing up, it takes me five minutes to exit. I, I'm a Nano or a Pico guy. N- Nano does... A good enough job um uh, to be honest on most of my arm stuff i use leaf pad uh but it's like literally like notepad on windows it's so empty so the couple things i'll say is uh we're finally coming around towards the end of the year um so what i'm going to ask everyone to do is if you can uh sit down start your email client of choice up send an email to minipc at podnos.com we're about the end of 2020. 2021's right around the corner. What kind of things do you think we're going to see or have available to us in the mini PC type of verse? Um, because I can tell you, like I've told people now for a couple of years now, this is only going to incredibly ramp up. Everything's going to keep moving faster. Everything's going to keep moving quicker. Everything's going to keep getting more dynamic. Um, Thanks to Elon Musk and his Starlink and all these people putting up cube satellites, tens of thousands of cube satellites in the last couple of weeks, literally in the last couple of weeks, um, all these prices are going to keep barreling down insanely on all of our mini computing needs. And all these mini computers are just going to keep getting more and more useful and more and more functional as time comes on. So I'll ask everybody, what is the kind of things you would like to see? come to fruition uh, and i'm asking you guys too here in the next like month let's sit down and let's like have a show where we just talk about what do we predict but so only one we, thing I can think, we humans are horrible at predicting but i think we might have some extra insight so can we talk starlink for a minute as far as i know the the secret sauce on the starlink is the laser satellite to satellite connectivity and they don't have it yet um, they do have it. They've actually ran a couple tests where they're okay. getting a uh, hundred meg connectivity on the initial testing, and the people involved with it believe they're going to be able to get to almost two hundred meg speeds on 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 everything. They still need, I want to say, uh, like another hundred devices before they believe they're going to be able to actually run the actual test. To where, if they pass the actual test, they're, um, I want to say, they're going to get. Thirty million dollars of uh, grant money from the federal government. 
Well, all right. So one of the cool things in aviation um, is XM, and there's XM satellite data available for aviation, uh, weather data, that kind of thing. So all you need is a Garmin GPS in your plane or a Garmin product. I'm sure other products at this point. And like a $40 a month subscription instead of a, you know, multi-thousand, probably tens of thousands of dollars weather radar system on your plane that is big, heavy, needs maintenance and the installation has all sorts of issues. Plus, you have to know how to set it up and operate it, you know, on, on a regular basis. So, uh, you know, two things like ADSB that give you position data, uh, you know, peer-to-peer position data, basically. And XM has been a big deal. Likewise, if we have data in the cockpit, you know, satellite data, uh, bidirectional, that's crazy. That's really, really fantastic. Well, I'll say GPS. It's 2020. It hasn't happened yet. A GPS is actual. We don't use GPS anymore. We haven't used GPS in like eight years. We're using a GPS and a GPS in 2020 will be declared officially dead soon. Uh, China has already launched their predecessor to GPS to where they get, they can get within, I want to say it was uh, under three meters of accuracy. That's their Baidu cloud. There's Baidu, GLONASS, right. and what's the European one? I forget. Um, the Jalen. Yeah, but that European one's garbage is what I'll say. Um, Elon is swearing Starlink can not only do ubiquitous, high-speed, low-latency communications, but they believe, uh, thanks to a couple of DOD contracts they got, they're also going to be able to offer a more highly accurate global positioning type system with the Starlink satellite system to where he said he believes they can get within, I want to say it was 30 centimeters of accuracy, something ridiculous. Um, So I'm all for Starlink as a thing being successful as long as we individual citizens are the beneficiaries of it. Look, if he can literally offer to the federal government high-speed internet to everyone, whether you're in the heart of Brooklyn, New York, or you're in the smallest town in Wyoming, if he can give them the same types of access to information, I am perfectly okay with the United States government just throwing money at his face. Well, yeah, I have a friend, uh, he lives outside of Gainesville, Florida, and you know he's pretty much on dial-up speeds. I, uh, the place I used to work was, uh, they had nothing. And that was right next to a freeway in a, uh, industrial area in the middle of, um, Ontario, which is Ontario, California. But I mean, there's no reason we had to use literal satellite hues and it was, it was absolutely horrible. I couldn't even get anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a libertarian capitalist at heart, but the government has made back deals with internet service providers in individual jurisdictions to do certain things and to ignore certain things. Um, I've been on the lucky end of the stick where everywhere I've moved, I've had really, really good access. Every place I've worked, I've had really, really good access. Uh, but I know there are people that go without. Um, and tangent, you know, water should be clean. Water should be a human right. Everyone should have the availability to have clean water. Um, I don't know when in access to the internet becomes a human right. If you say it can't be a human right, then I don't know what to say. 
I don't know when it's going to become a human right, but I keep thinking we cannot deny access to this kind of stuff to people sooner or later. I don't know when that is. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's 20 years from now. But And when that time comes, companies need to be able to make it affordable enough for everybody to basically have as much information as they want, as they need it. And if and if the South African guy is the do it, you know, Ellen Musk is the guy to do it, then so be it. If it's somebody else, I don't care who does it. I just know I want everybody to have 300 megs up, down, everywhere. I agree with that. I mean, it, I think it should be a human right, and I hope it is pretty soon. You know, and I hope it, I hope the ability to make it a human right is there pretty soon. Well, I think it's going to happen sooner or later, but here's the thing. And I'm okay with me pushing free internet access literally to the corners of the globe, whether it be North Korea letting people access information, no matter what Kim believes, whether it be in China, whether it be, you know, the Congo and Africa kind of thing, or whether it be the Netherlands, or whether it be in the UK, where they literally don't have free speech. I'm okay with helping everybody else get as much access to information and freedom as I experience. Um, tangent done with um starlink i'll say like this rich um the things that he's doing as a company i love it because he's doing things that i think everybody could have done 10 years ago but they just didn't have the initiative to do it well so i'm stuck with comcast i'm in an area where comcast has got you by the nads and is twisting hard uh whereas if you're in orlando and if you're in orlando florida there's a lot of opportunity. You know, there's multiple carriers, and all of a sudden the prices become competitive. There's no bandwidth cap. There, you know, there all sorts of freedom occurs when there's competition. I'm hoping Elon's disruptive, and I hope he's disruptive to the point that it crushes effing Comcast. That's what I'm hoping for. Good word. I love disruption so much uh, because it makes those billionaires, whether it be Jeff whether it be, I don't even know who's behind Comcast, um, Universal. Um, I'm good with Raspberry Pi getting nervous about competition. I'm okay with Pine64 thinking, we got to keep improving or else we're going to lose. I'm okay with people having the fear in them that they're going to lose and they're going to become like IBM was a couple years ago kind of thing. Um, if it means we consumers are the beneficiaries of it and everything I've seen in my life tells me more disruption, more competition uh, ends up being just so damn cool with these technologies. Um, I don't know of any other links in the notes that really that we had to bring. Um, I will say there's new Chrome boxes. Unfortunately, they're still pushing 300 bucks, which I think is a little bit too expensive. We have the Google uh, Coral Dev Board $100, which seems cool. We have the uh, Raspberry Pi Easy EE Prom updating up with the ESXi, which I will say. Yeah, that was a big deal. In two weeks, we saw what was like two years worth of development on how to do kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad for that. Which makes me go looking. Uh, I'm almost ready to push by. Arrow has the Coral USB version for $62.99. I did see that as well. I don't know why I didn't bookmark it. Um, I will say I do think shipping. I do think all of these interfaces, whether you're doing Visual Studio and C Sharp development, whether you're doing Eclipse and Java development, whether you're doing whatever and whatever, 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 the idea of offloading computing task 
is going to be baked into all these ecosystems. To That's where... how Amiga did it. Exactly. So you'll be able to hypothetically in maybe a year or two, simply plug up a sub hundred dollar USB 3.0 stick to your device, render a video. And where it used to take two hours to render a video. Now that you have this thing plugged into your device, it's going to li- literally like cut the time in half. Uh, it's inevitable is what I'll say. I'm creating an arrow account right now. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Brett, was there any other things you wanted to bring up? Any RGB type things? I will tell you, I've been getting really close to buying a strip of RGB lights just for the hell of it. Oh, they're uh, they're fun. And they're um, so cheap. Yeah, they're they're really cheap now. Um, I have, let's see, how much do I have left? I bet I have about 60, 60 meters left. Um, yes, 60 meters. Um, because I, I had a... Uh, a guy that wanted me to do a bunch of work, um, and uh, and he fell through, and uh, then COVID hit, and then you know all that. But I'm planning on doing my entire RV with it, and basically doing uh, every section having its own having its own basically controller. Um, all of it being um, automated, all of it being controllable and syncable, all that fun stuff. But uh, it'll be a disco rave thing, and I don't do anything that the rave people do so i just like lights <laughs> gotcha gotcha um the people i helped move uh the past week one was my sister-in-law and her boyfriend unbelievably cool guy um but he literally said and i don't know if he realized this he said what he wanted and i'm tempted now to try to make it he wants a sensor to when he walks into the bathroom the toilet knows it's him and it automatically lifts the seats and i'm thinking that's just an Arduino and then like uh, one motor away. Oh yeah. Um, but the question is, does he want it for anyone or just him? Uh, just him. And he does have like Apple watches and stuff. So I'm sure there okay, could yeah. be a way we could monitor proximity sensor on Bluetooth. Yeah. Right. The other thing uh, he said was, and I don't see why this couldn't be done either. And I haven't, and I've been looking for both of these projects on Hackster IO. I can't find them. The other one was a solar powered device connected to a mailbox that only when triggered would turn on the camera inside the mailbox to see if there's anything there. That actually would be, uh, I'll have to send that to you because there is an ESP32 cam that is an ESP32 with a camera built in that can be, I'm pretty sure there's one that can be wireless or that can be uh, solar powered. I know they have one that has a, uh, like a lipo battery, but that would be perfect. You just put a little, uh, a little, magnetic sensor on it so when the door opens it waits five seconds takes a picture sends it and then that's it oh okay i didn't think about that you're right because i was thinking more the camera's off than on demand it would be on but you're right having just a simple light sensor inside the mailbox would know when the mailbox is open and then trigger an alert Mm, mm. got me thinking And, and yes rich that's that's the one i'm talking about yeah the i need to get one of those i uh I, I still need to run out of my other ones, though, and that, that won't happen for another year or two. Yeah, I think I still have, like, 80 of them. Yeah, because here's the thing. I mean, I literally, look, he's easily 10 years younger than me. He was shocked at how much I moved and helped him move because he swore, you know, here's some computer nerd who can't do nothing. He's, like, weak and whatever. Um, he was impressed at how much of that. I'm pretty sure if I were to give him something he could stick in his mailbox that could do that, he'd be even more impressed. Is what I'll say. So I want to see if I can make that like a Christmas present for him. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, let me know if you need any help. Uh, I can do 
do a lot of research. I have uh, may not be able to do. I can edit code, but uh, coming from scratch, I'm not the greatest. But I can definitely uh, help you out with a lot of ways. Dude, I live by copy and paste. Um, Rich, is there any uh, other things in the notes or any other topics you wanted to? Nah, just uh, I'll I'll pimp my site. So YouTube YouTube.com slash flying rich for my uh ESXi ARM video. So ESXi running on the Raspberry Pi and flyingrich.com for all of my other social media. And to anybody out there that I know Chatter on the Wire has been on some of my live streams. So thanks, thanks for uh chiming in. I appreciate it. Very cool. And I will say, Rich ain't going to say it. I will say for a while there, Rich's video was literally number one on YouTube. When it's you, not number one anymore? I don't know. Um, when you would literally type in uh, ESXi, Raspberry Pi, Rich was literally the number one re- result, which, I mean, you know, it was obviously a video that was a little bit of painful to put together because the amount of time you had to put into it, but at least it was well worth it, is the way I'll put it. Oh, I'm number two. Well, I'll say this. If people listening, go search for ESXi, Raspberry Pi, click on Rich's video, let it go through the entire video, and at the very end, click the thumbs up. It will definitely help them out. Oh, there's another video out. So uh, this guy, wow, I'm surprised I didn't see there. I, now, I haven't seen, uh, so Nova Spirit did a video, but he didn't go into detail. I was kind I of surprised. I saw that too. It was very and there's, on detail. All right, this guy's got a 38-minute video, uh, Data Knox, and I, I've never seen him before, but he's got a good thumbnail. And uh, actually, there's a couple out now. Thumbnails do matter. Um, well, I'll just say, you know, keep pushing forward, just like uh, Galaxy Quest said, never give up, never surrender. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for coming out live, uh, whether it is Charles, Red, Chatter, uh uh, Captain Zero, John, everyone, thank you guys for coming out live. I want to thank everyone for their support. Thank everyone for their email. And again, Rich, we forgot to bring the email to the show. Um, maybe we can try to bring it next week. Um, with that stated, I will say this is the show all about big talk and little machines. If there's a little machine you would like us to talk about, do not forget, just send us an email. It's very easy. Minipc at podnuts.com. And if you would like to support us again, it is super easy patreon.com slash the mini pc show um i want to thank everyone for downloading thank everyone for their support thank everyone for communicating and i'll definitely talk to everyone again real soon hi this is matt from the mrp tech podcast i would like to invite you all to take a listen to my show the mrp tech podcast on the Podnuts network The theme for my show is Everyday Tech for Everyday People. We talk about Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, Android, Chrome OS, and anything else technology-related. You can find us on iTunes, and you can find us by searching in any podcatcher. We hope you take a listen, and let us know what you think.